Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of John, chapter 15, today. John, chapter 15. I'd like to uh, bring you a message today that will help you to get ready for Christmas. Next week, we begin our series of Christmas lessons, uh, but today is kind of preparatory. Um, getting ready for Christmas. I was thinking uh, about what, what section of Scripture in the Bible will help us do this. Uh, you know, Christmas is uh, one of the best of times and can be one of the worst of times. Uh, when you're young, you know, you just, kids can't wait. And when you're older, it's like the, the stress starts to slip up on you. And you think, oh my, can I do this again? Uh, we need special grace and energy for the next month because a whole lot of things are going to be happening. And there's a whole lot of people out there that, that need you at this time of year. And uh, John chapter 15, I think, will help us as we, as we go forward. Jesus has his disciples together. He's getting ready to depart the earth. And he's telling them how to get ready to live without him. Uh, without his physical presence. And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And I know for those of you who have studied this passage, you, you already have it in your mind's eye that uh, you understand that, that the vine is the, is the Lord himself, and you're the branch. Uh, you've been, uh, you're connected with him. In that way, and he uses this metaphor uh, to explain it. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, that's kind of an ominous thought. Uh, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it or he cleanses it that it may bear more fruit. Now, the reason why I've chosen this today is because if ever there was a, a period of time in, the, in our calendar that you and I need to be about bearing the right kind of fruit, it's the next month. Because many people's hearts will be open this next month as never before. Uh, people really do yearn for an experience with God. And, uh, and, and Christmas oftentimes is such a letdown to them. It's such a build-up and such a letdown. Because they keep hoping for something different to result from the same thing they did last year, and it never happens. And so God can use you and he can use me uh, to show them, hey, listen, Christmas is uh, something that is a good thing. And here, here the Lord says, listen, I want you to bear more fruit. And then in verse number three, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now, here's the key word in this whole section of scripture right here. It's the word Abide. Uh, Evelyn Christensen, who wrote the book, uh, What Happens When Women Pray, says that whenever she reads this passage of Scripture, uh, she reads it, just settle down and be at home with God. And so Jesus here is commanding his disciples, in my absence, listen, uh, I, I, want you to, I want you to feel, still feel good and feel at home with me. I want you to spend time with me. And every time I read this passage of Scripture, that's the way I read it. Uh, I believe the Lord is wanting to spend some time with you and with me. And, and you know our response to that overture. 
well, Lord, I live in uh, this busy world, and I just really can't fit you in this week. So he tells his disciples, listen, spend time with me or abide in me, and I'll, I'll abide with you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides, spends time in the vine. Now, if you face this season coming up without a close fellowship with the Lord, uh, it's, it's not a good thing. It's not good for you. It's not good for people around you. Uh, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Notice the word abide there is mentioned three times in that one verse. And I think that you know that whenever the Lord repeats himself, uh, that's for emphasis. You know, it's like when you repeat yourself, uh, you're trying to emphasize something. In verse number five, he says, I am the vine. The word I there is emphatic. He said, I'm the source. Just always keep that in, the, in your mind, the back of your mind. You are the branches. Always keep that in the back of your mind. There's a difference between the source and the branch. The life comes from the source. The branch just draws its life from the source. Uh, I am the vine, you're the branches, and he who spends time with me abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And you know, it's wonderful um, uh, to reflect and many of you remember the time that you came to Christ and you were so energized. You were just so excited. You just, you just were looking for some place to go and explode in front of somebody. And, uh, and you thought, boy, I can do so many things for the Lord. I tell you, this is just incredible. And with the passing of years, you realize with every passing uh, of every year how, how hard it is to really do anything in yourself and of yourself, that makes any spiritual sense. And so Jesus said here to his disciples, listen, I want you to understand, without you being in fellowship with me, you can't do anything. Now, you can go through the motions, and you can, you can look the part and speak the part and try to act the part, but it's kind of empty. It really is without fellowship with Christ. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they, get, and they gather them and throw them into the fire. Now, all of us have been here, and, and some of us have been here lately. Whenever we don't have fellowship with the Lord, what happens to us? We just kind of dry up, don't we? We just kind of wither up, and we feel like we feel so, we feel so empty, uh, so unfull. And he says, listen, if you don't have fellowship, and this whole idea here is, is not about relationship. It's about fellowship. Uh, and he says, listen, you're just going to dry up. And, uh, but here's, the, here's the, the main verse to me right here in verse number 17. If you abide in me or spend time in me and my words spend time in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, I know when you read that on the surface, you feel, oh, man, that's good. Is that what it is? Is that how I really get things from God? Uh, I, I simply spend some time with him and then I spend some time in his word and, and then I can ask him what I want. And he'll give me what I want? Well, it's a whole lot deeper than that. Uh, and uh, this particular verse works this way. If you spend time with him and his words spend time in you, what he does is he changes your desires. Because let's face it this morning, our desires are a lot different than God's, don't you think? I, I am convinced of it. Uh, you know, I, 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 get in my, I get it in my head that I want to do this for the Lord, and I don't think God's interested in that. 
And so God has to change our desires, and the only way that he can change our desires is, is for us to get close to him to see how he thinks. And when we see how he thinks, he imparts his desires in our heart. And then when we pray with his desire, then he answers our request. I remember years ago, we had a young family that came to the church and accepted Christ as their Savior. The person who was working with them, uh, you know, was meeting with them and trying to help them in the Word and things of that nature, uh, was kind of taken back one day when that person said, you know, God has answered all my prayers. And, you know, when somebody says that, you think, well, this guy just really, he'll understand later. He just doesn't have it down yet. He says, God's answered all my prayers. So after a few weeks, he finally decided to ask this guy, what are you actually talking, what are you talking about? And so what the guy did is he went down through the list and he showed to the mentor that God answered every one of his prayers. His first prayer was, Lord, heal my marriage. Now, do you think God wants to answer that prayer? Of course he does. That's praying in the will of God. And so he went down the list and he says, boy, miraculous things have been happening in my marriage. He's praying in the will of God. And so he went down the list, and all the things he was praying for were in the will of God. Amen. And so what God has to do is he has to get us in his presence so we can discern from his will. And then when we pray, God says yes. It's as simple as that. Uh, you know what Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you what? The desires of your heart. Uh, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he changes our desires. And then he gives us his sanctified desires when we pray for them. Okay, let's look back then at the beginning of the story. First of all, let's see the design of the garden. Uh, whenever Jesus made this statement, I, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser, it could have been that he was walking by the temple. And I understand that on the front of the temple there was this big golden vine on the front of the temple. The vine in the Old Testament symbolized the nation of Israel. When you look at Isaiah chapter 5 and you look at Jeremiah chapter 2, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 2, the Lord says, How did you grow into a wild vine? Uh, the nation of Israel was God's vine. He said he planted them, he nurtured them, he protected them, but yet they went their way and they produced wild grapes. Um, and so that was God's vine in the world at that time. God was going to bless the world through the nation of Israel. Now, by this time, it didn't happen. By this time, it didn't happen. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And so what Jesus here is saying, now listen, I am the genuine vine. I am the genuine vine. Uh, the design of the garden. He is the center of attraction. He is the centerpiece the source of life to which we are attracted. You know, in life, we, are, we are, are inspired through life by different people and different projects throughout our life, aren't we? If you look back over the landscape of your life, you know, you're attracted to this person and you're all excited about what they're doing and then that wears off. And then you kind of jump on another thing and that wears off and... Then you try this, and, and you're excited about that, and that's the way we go through life. And we draw our energy and inspiration, uh, oftentimes from the wrong source. Jesus is saying here, I am the genuine. That's what that word true means. I am the genuine vine. I am the source of inspiration that you should be looking to.
He is the centerpiece. Uh, and then he says, we are the branches. Now, the word branch there is interesting. It, uh, this is what it means for those of you who like to write in the margin of your Bible. Uh, it means a small, tender shoot, fragile. Now, the more I think about that, the more that, uh, the more that defines who we really are. We're, we're tender. We're fragile, to be sure. It doesn't take much to trip us up, does it? It doesn't take much to trip me up. Uh, we're just a, a tender, young sprout that has come forth from the vine. Now, in, in light of the, the longevity of the vine, we are really young. We are really tender. He says, listen, you're the branch. You're just this tender, young sprout that has come forth, been born from the vine. And so that's the design. He's the vine, we're the branches. The care of the garden is the father, in verse number one. My father is the vine dresser. You know, no one cares for the garden like the gardener, right? Boy, I've had some bad experiences with gardens. How many of you have? Would you raise your hand? Bad. I, I just, it's hard to do. You know, that's hard work. You've got to pay close attention all the time, right? And if you don't, it gets ugly. Uh, but the Lord says, uh, here he says, my father is the gardener. And what that means is he works with the garden. Now listen, you and I are part of this garden that the Lord has planted. And so he wants to develop you into a successful, fruitful branch. Okay? Do you, can you see yourself that way? You know, there are a lot of things that are, that are planted for beauty, not the vine. The vine is planted for fruit. You don't go out and say, well, it's the prettiest, prettiest vine I ever saw. Because it's going in a hundred different directions at one time, right? It just doesn't make any sense. But when it's bearing fruit, it's like it like, takes you back, right? And so that's what the Lord wants to do for you and me. And so he's the gardener and he takes care. Now, the interesting thing in this passage of Scripture this morning is the fact uh, that, that the branch that he, first of all, tries to take care of is the unproductive one. First of all, he pays attention to the unproductive one. And the reason why is he wants all of them to be productive. He wants every single branch, you know, you're a branch, every single branch to be productive. And so he pays attention. And look what it says here. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He's concerned for these unproductive branches. Now, he takes away, what does that mean? Now, if you're taking notes... It means, it can mean several things. The word take away here in the original language sometimes is translated lifted up. Okay? Now that's good. Because I know that as you were reading this through, you didn't have that, that idea. Oftentimes it's translated taken away, but sometimes it's translated lifted up. Um, now, this makes sense with us knowing who God really is. Uh, God looks at a, at a branch and he says, listen, they need help. And so his first instinct with you is not to take you away from the privilege of fruit bearing, but to lift you up so that you can gain strength. How many of you have had a, a tree or a branch of some sort and, uh, and you, uh, you, it, it broke? Uh, and so what you did is you got some other kind of a little contraption and you put it up there and you, you, lay, you hoped it was going to heal, right? 
And so I envision that the Lord is doing this for unproductive, for unproductive branches. Uh, he's, uh, he's looking at the unproductive ones and he's lifting them up. He's getting them off the ground. He's working with them. He's nurturing them. He's trying to give them every chance to survive spiritually. Now, if that doesn't happen, what then happens? That's the second meaning of this particular word. He takes them away. Not, he doesn't lob them off from the vine because we are ever connected. He doesn't lob them off, but he takes them away from the privilege of fruit bearing. Um, and uh, he just kind of sets them aside. You know, there is a limit to what God will work with our stubborn will. Until God finally, until we reject him and reject him and say, listen, you know, we just want to play the game of Christianity. We don't want to really be a real Christian. We don't want to be involved and we don't want to be much of a fruit bearer. The Lord finally says, okay, have it your way. My mother used to put it this way, Johnny, when you don't use it, you will what? Sure. And that's the way it works with God, too. Uh, you know, if a person, I think fruit bearing is a decision. If you say to, your, to God and you say to yourself, listen, I want to bear fruit, uh, I want to be a fruit bearer, uh, I, then, uh, then God will say, okay, let's go for it. I'll help you do that. But if we decide not to do it, he takes us away from the privilege. And, you know, it's really sad because, uh, you know, there's only one life that we have and, and to waste it and without walking in the center of God's will is such a waste of one good life, isn't it? You know, I was talking to a drug addict one time back in my office. I actually was a son of one of the members of our church at that time. And I was using every, every angle to try to get through to him. And he says, you know, listen, I don't really care. I don't really care. Um, I, had ran out, I ran out of arguments and reasoning. Um, and so sometimes when we say that, God says, okay, uh, you can have it your way. And so, but first of all, he works with the unproductive ones. He, he gives, I think he gives them every chance to be productive. Then he goes on, and look what happens next. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. If you make a decision to be a fruit bearer, this is what happens. That decision is a decision for God to prune your branch. Now, the word prune here is the Greek word katheros. Uh, which means to cleanse. And so God says, listen, I want to make you really productive, and in order to do that, I have to cleanse you, and I have to make you cleaner than you are. Now, and so what he does is he begins to prune us. Now, pruning is not a happy experience, usually. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By giving heed according to the word of God. The instrument that God uses to cleanse us is his word. You become addicted to the word and God then begins to prune you, to clean you up, to make you cleaner than you are. Uh, and, and, the, and, and somehow the correlation runs this way, that as we, we grow more into the profile of Jesus Christ, then we can become a better fruit bearer. I, I like to say this. The depth of our life 
determines the breadth of our ministry, the depth of our life. When we go deeper into Christ, then, uh, then the Lord says, listen, I'm going to use you in a different way now. I'm going, to, I'm going to let you be a prolific, now listen, a prolific fruit bearer. Not just a person who bears a little fruit, but a person who bears a lot of fruit. And the pruning knife is the word of God. Now, here's a few verses that we're all familiar with. Hebrews 4.12. Let's read it, okay? Uh, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word discerner there means a judge. When you read the Bible, God says, listen, you gotta, this, is, this is an area you need to f- fix. This is an area we need to work on. Uh, and it gets right down into the intents, the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. Uh, something a lot deeper than just the actions of what goes on on the outside, but what's going on on the inside. Now, Jesus said something familiar to this when he prayed to his father in John 17, verse 17. Let's read this. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now he's praying to the father and he says, for you and for me, he's praying for us. And he says, I, I, I want you, father, to sanctify them. That means to make them more holy, more clean. And he says, I want you to do it through your word. That's how it works. And then 2 Timothy 2.21. Let's read that. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Now, as the Lord works on you uh, to clean you up, then he has something more in mind for you to do. And how does he do that? When we first come to Christ, he tries to change our habits because usually when you walk through this world, you get bad habits, right? And so, uh, and so when we walk through this world, God tries to change our habits. He, uh, he takes those shackles off, and sometimes they fall off rather easily. They really do. Um, other times, he tries to change our relationships that trip us up. I remember one time I was talking to a young couple and they were saying, you know, uh, you know, we have these friends, but we're just going to have to get some new friends. And I thought, boy, that's, that's great. We're just going to have to get some new friends. If you can't bring your friends up, if they bring you down, it's time to get some new friends. Now, if you can bring them up, that's good. But if you find you hang out with them and you go with them and they take you down, it's time to get away from those people. Uh, until you then become strong enough that you can maybe get in that environment again. And so God takes our, those relationships away. For sure, he changes our attitudes. And this is something he's going to do for you the rest of your life. There's not a week goes by that my attitude doesn't need a, a major adjustment. Does yours? <laughs> sure. There's not a week go by. I don't have to say, Lord... Uh, I pray Philippians 2.5, let this attitude be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. Lord, help me to see this world through your eyes, please. Uh, and then sometimes, I'm going to add this to the list this morning, sometimes God prunes us of success. 
you know, success, some people, the worldly definition of success, some people can handle that, others can't. Uh, it produces the enemy of all unrighteousness, which is pride. Uh, you know, whenever we are too successful, we, we fall more in love with the work of our hands than the God who enables us to work with our hands. We fall more in love with what we've created than the Creator. And God doesn't want us to do that. And so when we think like we're making so many steps forward and, and you, you, you come home and you say, oh, I took 16 steps backward today. <laughs> I, you know, I thought I was going forward and I thought I was making headway. And the Lord says, listen, that's not, that's not going to work for you. I love you too much to do that. I'm going to take that away from you. I really believe that. God prunes us. It hurts, doesn't it? Because a lot of these things we don't want to change. Uh, the next thing we see here in this passage is the purpose of the garden. It's fruit. What kind of fruit is this that God wants to produce in our life? I believe it's this fruit. Galatians 5.22. Let's read it. Okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. Well, that's a powerful list, isn't it? Amen. Now, now, this is what God wants to exhibit in your life and my life through Christmas. Uh, he wants us to be people who exhibit his love and his joy and his peace. He wants us to be a lot more long-suffering than we are, to be sure, more kinder than we are. Uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, those are the fruit of the Spirit. And I know that some people will say, well, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is bringing another person to Christ, and, and, and that for sure is. But I think as we grow in these graces here, uh, then uh, bringing somebody to Christ is a byproduct of this. Uh, this is the fruit of the Spirit defined in the Bible. Uh, this is a wonderful thing, and when this begins to work in our heart, we can say God is changing us more and more. And that's what God wants to do for you and he wants to do for me. Now, the secret of the garden is this. It's wrapped up in that little word abide in verse number four. It's the Greek word meno, and it means to, uh, to remain, to continue, to spend time with. Uh, remain in the Bible. That's an interesting word. It means, first of all, salvation. That's what it means, first of all. Turn back with me to John chapter 6, just a few pages from where you are, okay? John chapter 6, verse number 56. Jesus said here, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And here the, uh, and here the analogy is, of course, of, is receiving Jesus Christ. He who, he who becomes a part of me abides in me. And so the word remains means, first of all, salvation. When we come to Christ, then we, then we can be a prolific fruit bearer. Then we can bear fruit. Uh, but I think, I think mostly this passage in John chapter 15 deals with fellowship with Christ, spending time with Jesus, Jesus on our mind. You know, the stress and the pressure of the season... Uh, comes at us in waves. It distracts us tremendously. It, it uh, knocks us off of our balance. 
And so what Jesus is saying to his disciples here is, listen, you have to be well connected. I like to use the word divine appointment. Um, you know, I think that through this next period, especially so, that you and I need to make an appointment with the Lord and keep it. Because, you know, you make appointments to do all sorts of things on your job. Don't leave, don't leave the Lord out. Don't let the Lord get, get lost on that thing. Make a divine appointment. Uh, spend time with the Lord, being well-connected. Corey Tin Boone said one time, don't pray to God when you feel like it. Make an appointment with the king and keep it. And, you know, I found that works for me. You know, if I say, you know, I'm going to work God in sometime today, you know what happens? Usually nothing. Because I just find enough things to keep me occupied. Uh, and so when I set a divine appointment, something happens. I, th I like to call it quality time. You know, I believe we can have fellowship with the Lord anytime. I think it's good. I have people tell me, you know, when I go to work, I have this long drive, and I pray all the way, and that's, that's great. I, I think it's wonderful. But I, but I think quality, I, that's probably not quality time. Uh, quality time is, uh, is defined in Matthew chapter 6. Let's turn back there, please, this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 6. I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he thought of quality time. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have what? Shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This is quality time. Giving the Lord our time, our attention. Uh, you know, if somebody important came to your house, you wouldn't say, hey, sit down in another room. I'm working on a project right now. Uh, I'll talk to you. You know, you just, you just go ahead and talk, and I'll respond. That'd be kind of ignorant, wouldn't it? Uh, whenever you talk to somebody important, they deserve your attention, right? And so uh, let's go into another room. I've had many mothers tell me, listen, there's no other rooms in my house. I can't get away from my kids. You've got to have some babysitting up at the church. I need to come up there and pray. I just can't find a place. Well, Jesus said, find a room, shut the door, and then we'll have communion. You can spend some time with me. And this time that we spend with the Lord in that way is transforming time. It's the, it's the kind of time that you need and I need. And one of my favorite verses on this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's read that. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. When we come into proximity of the Lord, this close, he transforms us into his image or profile. And glory to glory simply means from one stage to the next. So when you hang out with the Lord, you become a little bit more like him. That's what this verse says. And when you hang out with the Lord more, you become more like him. And that's his, that's his plan. Uh, and so we have to get into proximity of the Lord in order for that to happen. He changes our desires, the things we pray for. First uh, John five fourteen and 15, we have that too. Let's read this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have 
the petitions that we have asked of him according to his will. Now remember I said that whenever we spend time with the Lord, he changes our desires. And I don't think that ever happens unless we spend time with the Lord. I really don't. Uh, because we have this tremendous human nature about us. It's this evil human nature that, is, that, that has this strong gravitational pull, propensity toward the things of the world. And the things of the world are so attractive that they, they pull us off balance and they send us in that direction. But when we spend time with the Lord, what he does is he puts us right back on course again. And he begins to say, hey, listen, this is the way I want you to see the world. I want you to see the world from my perspective. And when that happens, then we can pray those prayers that that young convert says, listen, God's answering all my prayers right now. We're praying the right kind of prayers, not the selfish kind of prayers that we're so good at, but the right kind of prayers. And so where's, where does this all lead us? Well, one last verse we have, and that's in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Let's read this. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a verse. What a verse. Wow. Wait upon the Lord. Man. When we wait in the presence of the Lord and we fellowship with him and have communion with him, uh, the Bible says we renew our strength. Now, I know that in this next month, the onslaught of stress is going to meet you face to face. And, uh, and you're going to become unraveled if you don't have the strength of the Lord. And you're not going to be able to produce the kind of fruit that we just talked about in Galatians chapter 5 unless you wait upon the Lord. But if you wait upon the Lord, God is going to use you, I think, in a wonderful way for Christmas. And uh, you're not going to come out on the other side and say, hey, listen, that was a bad experience. Uh, you're going to come out on the other side and say, boy, God really used me. And I really felt strong through the whole journey of Christmas. There is a golden opportunity for you and me to be strong and to be focused, but it's all wrapped up in spending time with our Lord. Let's find a place and close the door, and let's learn how to wait upon the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, I wonder how you're doing with all of this. You know, it's so easy to, uh, if you love life like I do, it's so easy to, to be involved in so many things and to, and to think that you can handle all these things. And, uh, and while you're handling all these things, there's this little battery inside of you, spiritual battery that is being discharged. And, uh, and even though you're running through the motions, you don't have the power uh, to exhibit love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and self-control. Uh, uh, let's, uh, let's just make a little commitment to the Lord right now in the service, Lord. Uh, just show me how I can 
abide in you more closely uh, than ever before. Lord, show me that spot that I can retreat to and be in your presence uh, so that I can come forth from that room with a, with a wholly new resolve and a presence that uh, could never be enjoyed otherwise. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. And-